And welcome everybody. Welcome to Lydia House. It's good to see you. It is a it is clearly an August in Minnesota. And for those of you who don't know what August in Minnesota is like, you never know how many people are gonna show up, and that's okay. We have a little lighter crowd, but welcome to everybody joining us online, live stream, or watching it later, or in the archive in a century, or on TV. Thanks for joining us. And speaking of which, I encourage you folks who are joining us virtually in some way to fully engage in what's going on today during the service, during other services, other things that you do online or from home. You know, God is fully able to encounter you no matter where you're at. So I encourage you, pray with us when we pray, worship when we worship, engage in what's going on. Uh, I highly recommend that. And God's going to touch you. And why don't we open up this morning in prayer. We welcome you here, Father God. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus, and we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. And we give you this time. We give you our hearts and our minds this morning. And we ask that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask that you would encounter us in the place that we're at. We thank you, Lord, that you were incarnate into this world to encounter us where we are. And we praise you for that. We confess that we're not always where we're supposed to be. <laughs> Sometimes we're adrift, we're con confused, we're distracted, and we thank you that you come and you help like a good shepherd to bring us back to where it is we need to be. And we praise you for that. Lord, and we also think of our brothers and sisters in other places in the world this morning that are going through such terrible, terrible struggle. We think of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and all the civilians there, uh, people who are trying to get here to the US. We pray that you would speed their way, miraculously help them get there, help others to get out to escape the country. And for those that remain in Afghanistan, we pray for protection for them. Father God, we pray for a miracle in regards to the Taliban and the hostility there. We pray for the women, Lord, who have enjoyed freedom over the last two decades to be educated, to learn, to get jobs, to become their own people, and who are now being forced back into essentially slavery. We pray that you would come and move in that situation. We watch the news and we're heartbroken and, and angry, as I'm sure you are. And so we ask you, Lord, to step in. And if there's anything else besides prayer we can do, we ask you that you would show us that, Lord. Pray for Haiti as well, all the devastation after the earthquake and now possibly more storms coming in. And so we pray that you would speed all the rescue efforts and the rebuilding efforts there in Haiti. Pray for Uganda as they are still scrambling for food, 20 million people starving. Pray that you would get the food to the people that it wouldn't get stolen, hijacked, pirated by people looking for profit. And we pray for the farms, the 270, I believe it is, farms now, banana farms that have been planted there. And we pray that you would bless those crops, bring rain when it's needed, and uh, protect them from thieves and pests and everything else that would try to steal their food. Pray that you would bless all those folks in Uganda and bless Pastor Dowson and his church and all the work they do there. Help to keep us, Lord, grounded and keep our mind on things above as we pray for all these things in our own lives and in the world and help keep us from complaining about whatever it is, complaining about masks, complaining about school starting, whatever our complaints are, we realize that they are very, very small compared to everything else that's going on. So we pray that you'd help keep us grounded in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was a long intro prayer. Amen. There's more people here when I open up my eyes. Hi, everybody. Wow. Well, good to see everybody. Uh, as you guys get settled in, I got a, just a couple quick announcements. Um, yeah, email sign-up sheet. If you're not on the email sign-up sheet, it's back there by the offering box, and that's where you can put your tithes and offerings, which we appreciate to keep the lights on here. We're working on writing up a list of the new expenses we have now in the new building uh, with rent and, and utilities, and, and internet is like five times more expensive now um, for some reason. And... So we're going to write up a list of all those expenses so that you guys are in the know about uh, 
uh, what new expenses we have now in this building, and we'll give we'll get you a, a budget so that you can see you know where's the money go because uh, that's helpful for everybody. And we'd certainly appreciate all of your gifts. Paul, do you want to make a quick announcement? There's an outdoor meeting today, this afternoon. Yes. And you're going to be there. At What's that Island about? Park on County Road E in Shoreview, just over the border, I think, into Shoreview. And it's from 2 to 4, outdoor service, a service of praise and revival. We're going to talk about revival. Kevin McClure will be there with me. So we'll each give words, and then Bobby Wichterman, some know that name because she's been a worship leader in the Twin Cities for many years. She's going to be leading worship. So it's going to be a special time, a fun time, like a picnic time outside, beautiful day in yeah. Minnesota. Wonderful. No All right. food, but still you can call it a picnic if you, you want. You can bring Esther, food. you're going to be there. Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you need more info, talk to Paul or Karen about that. And... The only other announcement I have is uh, prayer meetings every other Tuesday. Had one this past Tuesday. It was really great. So this coming week, we won't have the prayer meeting, but the next one will be September 7th. So the day after Labor Day, next church prayer meeting, 10.30 a.m. I know that precludes some of you from being able to come, but for those who can do a daytime prayer meeting, we'll be here at 10.30 next Tuesday. And we just prayed, but we're going to pray again. Is that okay? God, God did say my house shall be called the house of prayer, so I feel like it's okay if we pray at least one more time. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. Father God, as we walk through this world, our feet get a little dirty sometimes, and it's easy to get distracted, and just busy, 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 busy. And so we pray that you would help us to set those things down now as we focus on you, the things that are weighing on our minds, weighing on our hearts. pray that you would help us just to tuck those under our chair as we open our hearts and minds to you this morning. Help us to worship you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, yes. and all our strength yes. this morning, God. We want to take just a moment now to confess anything we need to confess mm. from this week. Mm. You, you wash the disciples' feet before the Last Supper, because as we walk around, we just get dirty sometimes. We misstep, step in something we shouldn't. <laughs> and so I pray that you would uh, take our confession now. We're just going to take a moment of silence for things that we've done or left undone this week. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we've received that forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that even though we didn't do anything to deserve it, you gave us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we live in that and walk in that and revel in that. And we thank you for it, Lord Jesus. And we have many other prayer requests on our hearts this morning, and we lift those up to you now. We put those up on the altar, and we ask you to, to watch after those things now as we spend some time worshiping you. There are people here who need healing, people here who have a loved one or a neighbor or a friend who needs healing. So we just speak healing in Jesus' name to anybody yes. who needs it. Anybody who needs physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, mm. spiritual healing, mm. we pray against that spiritual darkness in Jesus' name. We pray against fear, against hopelessness, and we speak life and healing into all in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you to Paul and Karen for leading us this week. And why don't you introduce our yes. guest violinist? This is Jacob. And Jacob Thornblad is from a church that I know fairly well because I was a pastor there for 26 years. <laughs> so I know the congregation. I know the people. His grandfather, Jacob's grandfather, Lloyd Thornblad, is a legend. He's in heaven now, but he's legendary because of all that he did. One thing that he and his wife did is I would go down to the church and walk down two blocks to the church at 7 a.m. in the morning and leave Karen to get five kids ready for church and be down at 8 o'clock sitting in the front row. I was an idiot, sorry. Uh, 
I'm sorry, Karen. So when Lloyd and Nell saw what I was doing, they started showing up at 7.30-ish, help the kids get dressed, and then go down together. So she's forgiven me, and I thank God for Lloyd and Nell, and then your parents, Dean and Darcy. Yes. So he's going to be at the uh, Lutheran uh, Brethren School. He wants to go into ministry, Employment. go into seminary following, uh, but he's got a few more years of prep, and then seminary, and then do the stuff, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And he can play the violin, folks. Yes, because he's got one. That's right. And as you talked about prayer, I looked quickly at the songs, and three or four of them are prayers. They're prayers of thanksgiving or gratitude or, or asking for help. So the first one you know very well. Here's how it goes. Let's sing it together. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great, great is thy faithfulness, great The next song was a popular song out there, and some of us discovered the words apply beautifully to God. So you know the song. We've sung it before here. When I am down and all my soul is weary, when troubles come, and my heart burdened be. Then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. There is no life, no life without its hunger. Each restless heart beats so imperfectly. But when you come and I am filled with wonder, sometimes I think I glimpse eternity. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. 
me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy Father, raise us up. Raise your people up. Any that are discouraged this morning, I pray that you would raise them up. Any who are suffering in bed, I pray that you would raise them up. I pray that you would touch. I pray that you would use your body, your people, to touch those who need to be raised up. I pray that you would raise up the discouraged. If there are those that are discouraged and saying it's just not working out, I pray that you would raise them up as well. We're going to sing a, a song that you've heard before, but we're going to sing it a, a little different way. It's actually the way St. Olaf College sings it. And uh, Karen and I absolutely love the, this rendition. <laughs> so we'll sing the first verse you play with us. And uh, as soon as you catch on, it's this little light, but it's a little different way that uh, we do it. Okay. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. like that? Did you like that rendition? Thank you. I saw a thumbs up. So I, I. This next one we picked because uh, Karen said we really need to sing a song as we pray for our friends overseas. We need to sing this with them in mind. It's a prayer. It says, hide me now under your wings. Cover me within your mighty hand. So we pray with those who are in danger, for our troops in danger, for Afghanis who are in danger, for Nigerians who are in danger, for Iranians who are in danger. Yes. There are many places in yes. the world where persecution Jesus. is as strong or stronger yes. than in Afghanistan. Cool. Nigeria, they're slaughtering cool. people. And so this is a prayer, and we're going to sing it together as a prayer together. Hide me now 
Care for them, Lord. Care for them. We will ask you. Sing with me. Welcome to. We pray for our friends, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep the family safe, Lord. Protect those that belong to you, God. Protect them, Lord. From satanic opposition, Lord. Protect them, God. Any who are afraid right now, we pray, God, you would comfort them. We pray against satanic powers who would seek to overcome your people. Yes, miracles. Yes, bring miracles. Yes. Yes, your strong angels round about, Lord. We pray for many salvations. Those yes. that don't know you, Lord, that they yes. turn to you. Yes, let people be drawn to you through this terrible disaster, Lord. Draw people to yourself. Let them know they're safe in your arms. They can be yes. hidden. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay, let's sing. He is exalted. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise His name. He is the Lord, forever His truth shall reign. Exalted, my king is exalted on high. I will praise you. You are exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise your name. You are the Lord forever, your truth shall reign. Lord, we exalt you, Lord. You're the King. Lord, yes, Lord. 
look forward to your reign, Lord Jesus, your reign forever. Now there are others who want to reign, who want to usurp your authority, but we say no, you are the king. Yes. You're the exalted one. Yes, Lord. Billions of angelic hosts bow before you today and honor you, the Son of God, who laid down your life Thank you, Father. that we might find it. That's right. And we worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this Thank day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I don't need music notes, but I, I do need other notes. I had a wonderful experience this morning. I went into my room. We're at 2930 Simpson Street. You remember, we've left the big house. And we're there, and we're making it do. We've made three offers that uh, weren't prevailing, and so we're still looking. We may kind of wait a while until things settle down in the market, and it gets to be winter, and there's snow on the ground, and people aren't looking as much. Then we might look some more. But uh, I, I went in into the bedroom, and I sat down, and I said, God, would you give me a word? As soon as I said that, that lady over there was walking by the room and she was singing. What were you singing? You want me to sing it? Sure, if you want to. And he will raise you up higher and higher and he will raise you up. Get the last note. Uh, Do you want to sing it again to harmonize? No, I don't because it wouldn't make a good harmony song. Anyway, I was, I'm preaching on humility. I don't know that she knew that. And she sang, humble yourself. And it's like God said, you're right on track, Anderson. Preach it. And so I have some fire because you gave me a word uh, through the Lord that... Uh, was encouraging to me. So that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about humility, and we're going to look at John to see the humility of John the Baptist or John the Lutheran. I can't remember if he's a Lutheran or a Baptist, but uh, John. And then next week, we'll look at the humility of the person who showed it more than anybody else. Who was that? Jesus. More humble than anyone ever. Gave up everything. He left everything for nothing. He was the poorest person who ever lived, and I'll talk about that next week. Before I do that, I just wanted to share a couple of things with you that are available to you if you desire them. I've got many, 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 many booklets. Uh, like this. They're back on the table. Some of them are there. I, I left some at home, but what about repentance? What about prayer? What about heaven and hell? What about demons? What about healing, fasting, holiness, death, Lord's Supper, Satan? So there are little things you can stick in your pocket. You can put in your purse. You can read them at lunch. You're welcome to take those. If you want to take 10, you're welcome to take 10. If you want to take 20, I mean it. I'm serious. I'm not selling them. I'm not selling any of the things that I'm talking to you about today, and you might say, well, he's got to get away his stuff because he, he's got too much stuff. Actually, I want to give these away. Uh, Bethany published it, and they said it did really well for booklet, for, for sold 50,000. That's decent for a, or a workbook, so I'm not giving away because I can't do something else, but I, I want you guys to have them available if you want. This is a 34 character studies. 
So it could be a Bible study. People, a lot of people have used it for a Bible study. And anything that I tell you about here, it's available. I can send it to you electronically so you can have it so you don't need to take this home. But there's a teacher's guide, and then there's empty spaces. I don't know if I want to share it with the guys because sometimes guys get frightened by empty spaces. <laughs> See, girls, girls like that, and they can just fill in everything. But uh, 34 character qualities. Uh, so th there's that. And then some books. Uh, I'll just leave them up here. About the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a theology of the Holy Spirit. A Bible study of the Holy Spirit. Breaking strongholds. Things in our life that we can't get over. That we need deliverance. Or we need things broken in our lives. Healing from a father wound. That's what it is. Uh, prayer ministry. How to do it. We talk about prayer ministry. Afterwards, we pray with people. We lay hands on them. Some people aren't familiar with that. It's new to some. When you say, what, you, what is prayer ministry? Well, that, this tells what it is and how to do it. IMF, they give one of these to every pastor that comes through them. So i got to print some more out. And then Dare to Dream. I wrote this because I desire people to walk into their God-appointed destiny. Everyone has an identity, and they have a destiny. And I want to help people walk into that, which is why Nate and I have this congregation, but it's also why I like to write. I like to help people to get, get where God wants them to get. So, so I told you I'm talking about humility. I've got a true and false test. And you can take it if you want to. I'm not going to make you take it, but you can take it. You can take this with you. And if you can say true on all of these 20 questions, I guarantee you, you're humble. Number, number, yeah, yeah, you might, you might, you might trip over your humility and get proud. Good point, John. Yeah. Here's the first question. I am usually good about accepting unfair criticism, and I don't resent people who have criticized me. Yikes, you started with that? I know, I know. <laughs> I'll give you an easier one. I know how to say, please forgive me, I was wrong. Still a little hard. But if you can say, I was wrong, that's a good sign. That's a sign that something good going on in your life. So I'm talking today. I'm really thankful that I can do this uh, about John the Baptist. So listen to this scripture about humility. God resists, finish it, the proud. Now, does it say proud unbelievers? God resists the proud. Anytime I am proud, he comes against me. Oh, my. I don't want God against me. I want God on my side. How do I get God on my side? I humble myself. God resists the proud but gives grace. Grace is empowering. Grace is that which enables me to be all that I'm to be and to do all that I'm called to do. So I need grace. I absolutely need grace to live the Christian life. And if I have grace, which God gives freely to the humble, then I'm in a good place. So God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I, I, I want, it, therefore, what does it say in the next verse? Do you know what the next verse is? Humble yourself. We don't pray, God humble me. Don't, don't pray that prayer. If you ask him to, he might do it. It's better if you humble yourself. Will you repeat that? Yes, I will repeat it. Don't ask God to humble you. Humble yourself. How do we humble ourselves? I want to ask Nate a question and see if he remember what was, what was the thing that I talked about more than anything else at the seminary? Do you remember? Go low. I, that's exactly what I wanted him to say. I didn't tell him ahead of time. But I continually... I did it. Oh, yeah, oh shoot. Yeah, keep going. I mean, 
I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! You won. Ten points. You said it all, like, almost every time you came to address the seminary, you'd talk about how it wasn't about us, it was about God. Go low in any circumstance. Go low is always the best option. And you remember, remember where we met, they wanted to help us because when you go into North Heights at the Roseville campus, you go down the steps into the basement and that's where we had our seminary and someone said, oh, we can do better than that for you. I said, no, don't do better than that. This is great because every time they come in, they go low. So it was an example of what uh, I felt was needed for us because I need it myself and we all need it. We need to learn how to go low. And we see someone going low by the name of John the Baptist. So I'll teach for a while, then we'll talk about it together. If you have Bibles, open up to John chapter 1. And we're just going to go through some scriptures and look at what we can uh, learn about humility from John, who was incredibly humble. We start out in verse 15 in chapter 1. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. That's incredible revelation. How did John know that his cousin was before him? The only way he knew is that God told him. Now, what about, what about John? What was his situation? Well, he was born to Elizabeth. How old was Elizabeth? Her husband said she has many days, many days behind her. He didn't say she's an old lady, but he said, I am old. He said to the angel, how can I know this? Because I'm old and my wife is advanced in years. Literally. You read the Greek. She has many days. So he didn't call her an old lady, but he said she's old. They're both old. Now they have a, a, a son. How long did they live with John before they left him? We don't know. I suspect maybe 15 years. Maybe they lasted for 15 years. They're 65 and now they're 80. They're, they're getting ready to... to they handed the baton to John, and they said, have at it. John goes out in the wilderness as a young man, 1520, we don't know. But John did not get up in the morning and say, what will I have for breakfast today? He lived off the land in the wilderness. His specialty was locusts and wild honey. <laughs> That's probably not all he ate. He probably found other things, scraps, things that he ate in the wilderness. How long did he do this? Every day until he started his ministry at the age of 30. That's 365 days, one year. And then he did it the next year, and the next year, and the next year, and the next year. We know it must, he must have been for at least 10 years because they were old, advanced in years. They were on the way out, so they didn't last a long time. So we know John spent years in the wilderness. And as he did, God began to speak to him about his destiny. Did he know anything about his destiny? Before? Before God spoke to him? Think about it. What did the angel Gabriel say to Zechariah? Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. Call his name John. You'll have great joy. Many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. Teetotaler. Was Jesus a teetotaler? No. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. I don't know anybody that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe there have been. And he will turn the, many of the children of Israel to the Lord, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. So John knew 
something about his destiny. He knew that he would start a revival, that he will turn many hearts. So he spent time preparing for that. And then when the time came, he started preaching. He set up his pulpit where? Right where he was. In the wilderness. And they started coming to him. So we'll look over at John uh, later in verse uh, 20. No, we're looking at verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. John John 1, verse 19. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Why did they send people to ask him, who are you? He was a phenomenon. There had been four centuries of silence. No prophets. Nobody speaking powerfully the word of the Lord. And then John comes on the scene, and he's announcing things in the desert about this one who is coming. And so they send out people to find out who in the world is he? What is he up to? Sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny. I confessed, I'm not the Christ. They, they thought this might be the Messiah. He said, nope. He could have been a little, well, I'm doing some pretty wonderful things here. You know, if he had been proud, he could have you know, accepted some of the praise. They asked him, well, then are you Elijah? The angel had said he will come in the spirit of Elijah. So he could have said, well, I'm coming in that spirit. He just said, no. Are you the prophet who is to come? No. Okay, well, we got to bring something back to the people who sent us. What do you say about yourself? What did he say? I'm a voice. I'm in the wilderness, and I'm getting things ready. That's all I am. I'm the forerunner. Now, some of you guys probably know what a forerunner is. It's a pace setter. I think in one of the Olympic races, there were a couple pace setters. What they do, say that, that you've got eight really gifted mile runners or 600-meter runners, and you want to break a world record. And so you put two guys in there just to run two laps, and you tell them you run a 50-second 400. And that'll keep the rest of them moving, because as you saw in the races, sometimes people will slack back because they got time. And so, no, they want to stay. So the pace setters, they're running with the pace setters, and they know the, the, the timing, and they're running after two laps. They're done. <laughs> Nothing about them in the paper. They don't finish the race. John is saying, I'm not going to finish the race. I'm going to hand it off to Jesus. How humble of him. And then he goes on to say, I baptize with water. But... Among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. He's not, he didn't feel worthy to, to take his sandals off, to touch him. That's how humble John was. I love the way he could have stepped into this and said, like, People have done, they start getting praise, and it feels good. So, you know, say a little more. This feels good. I like it. I like that acclamation. He refused it. Not me. I don't want that. He is the one. And listen to this now, verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, what, what did he say? You know it. Say it. The Lamb of God. 
Behold the Lamb of God. Did these people know anything about lambs? They knew that since sacrifices started, there were millions, millions, literally millions of lambs slaughtered. Why? Because that was the provision of the old covenant to atone for sins. You would sacrifice something, a pigeon if not a lamb, a pigeon, a dove, something that you would give up to show your sorrow for your sin, and that would atone for it circumstantially until the time when God does his thing. And he says, there's the one. One lamb, one time for the world. In other words, no more sacrifice. He saw it so clearly. He was the end of the old and Jesus was the beginning of the new. And he said, there he is. How kind of him not to look for any kind of glory. He come, uh, He ranks before me because he was before me. How did he know that? By revelation, by walking in the desert and have God speak to him like he speaks to you and he speaks to me. God spoke to him as he's in the desert. He said, you're going to set the path. You're going to be a forerunner, John. You're important to me. And then he's going to come, and you're going to fade away. What did John say? He must, come on, say it, increase, and I must decrease. I don't think John knew what that meant. You talked about that. I don't think he was, he was ready for it. I don't think he knew how painful that was going to be after being literally the superstar. He was humble about it, but he was the superstar. They were coming out to the desert to hear him by the throng. So many that they had to send priests out to say, what's going on here? What did he say to them when the priest came out? Hey, welcome. I'm glad you guys chose to come out and listen to me. What did he say? What are you doing here? Why did you come out, you brood of vipers, you snakes? Did he hold back? Did he try to be protective, knowing that they could kill him? He didn't hold back for a moment. He told them what they needed to hear. That's humility, too. Humility brings confidence. If you are humble, you are confident. You're not wondering about things because you just walk in humility, and you go for it, and John was going for it. Something, one other thing that he did, two other things. I myself did not know him. You know, they, they didn't, probably didn't meet because Jesus was from a different part of the country. He preached in Galilee. John preached in Judea. They're very different. If you examine all the things that are different about them, one's a teetotaler, one's goes to parties, one's from the north, one's from the south. They could tell people from the north. Remember when Peter was uh, listening to the trial? We, could we can tell you're from Galilee. You've got a, that Galilean accent. Mm -hmm. So they knew. So they talked different. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John was the first one to connect passion and Pentecost. The death of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Those two belong together. He is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I baptize with water in the Jordan. By the way, that's near the lowest place on the planet. Jesus was baptized in the lowest possible place that he could be baptized in, which shows how far he was willing to go. He's the lowest of the low. So then one more thing about John. The next day, verse 35, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. That's the third time he said it. The two disciples heard him, and they followed Jesus. 
Now, he's about ready to lose one of his best men. Look at this. Following him and said, what are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said, come on, I'll show you. Come with me. One of the two who heard John and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. John was a disciple. John had Andrew as his disciple. And he said, this is the one. So he was willing to give up his ministry, his destiny, his reputation, and his followers. What was the first thing that Andrew did, which shows how humble Andrew is, his humility, verse 41, John first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Andrew was never again before Peter. You, you read the Gospels. Peter's always ahead of the game. Andrew is the follower. When, when Jesus picks three people to go with him several different times on the, in the baptism and on the transfiguration, who are the three that Jesus picks to go with him consistently? Peter, James, and John. Now, to me, it would have been easy. You got James and John and Peter and Andrew. That would have been a great foursome. That isn't what Jesus decided to do. He left Andrew out, and Andrew, Andrew never, never sees him complaining. He, he accepted it. My brother is a leader. I'm not the same kind of leader. So I look at this, and uh, I say I want to be like John. Now, next week, we'll say I want to be like Jesus. But uh, don't you want to walk in humility? Don't you want to learn? Because where there's humility, there's confidence, there's boldness, there's ministry. I, I want to embrace in a fresh way a humble outlook that allows God to do whatever he wants to do in my life. Any thoughts, comments, questions? I'll, I'll put a mic here if anybody has anything to, to say, to, to respond to. You're welcome to. Or if you have a question. I was just going to say it. It, it seems like the world sees this as just the opposite. <laughs> Humility and, you know, being just the opposite of the way we're being taught. Yeah, I, you're right. So it's it's foreign to us in the flesh. It just. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's hope we were taught this by people that knew what they were talking about. Otherwise, we could be assertive in the wrong sort of way. Yeah. Other thoughts. Comments, questions? Here's one for this side if anybody wants to share anything. I just think it's it's difficult for the young people when it's kind of a natural, popular thing to, with the Facebook thing, you know, always, well, let's take a picture. I mean, I'm getting into taking pictures all the time, but it's take a picture of me with, and me with, someone else and, and and posting me pictures. Well, we're taught uh, from years back, okay, this, you know, make sure we are uh, thinking about ourselves and have a good self-confidence. So that's the opposite of, you know, you're, you're okay, taught to be confident, but um, so, so that dichotomy, it's, it's difficult. We, we need to pray uh, that the Lord would help. Well, not only the young people, but all of us. It's very true. And Jesus said he came not to 
be served, but to serve. Humility shows itself in service. And I come here, we come here early, and I see Steve and Luann setting up. I see CJ getting things ready. CJ came over to our house yesterday after I went over to his house because my computer wasn't functioning right, so he fixed it. I got home, I still can't do it, so I call him up. I said, CJ, I'm still in trouble. He said, I'll be right over. He walks over and he looks things over. He fixes the problem because he can do what I can't do. Humility serves. That's what he does for us. Nate serves me. Nate leads, leads Lydia House. It's a gift to me because I have things that I'm still doing and for him to lead is a gift to me and he does it well, wouldn't you say? He serves. So we're all called to lay down our lives and to serve. That's the, one of the clearest examples of humility. I look in this row here, and Masumi serves the Japanese Christian community in the Twin Cities. She serves them. How does she do it? Bring them together? Different functions? How does John serve? He serves me. He's done it many, many times. He can fix things that I can't. I can break them, but I, I, I don't go do as good a job of fixing them. And uh, what does Sachiko do? Well, I don't know how many meals she has brought to 1707. <laughs> over and over again, and sometimes not knowing that we needed somebody because we were having guests. We had lots of guests. And to have somebody who knows how to cook and makes really good food was an asset. So, so different people serve in different ways. I left here last week, and Rod was still vacuuming. He started 20 minutes before that, and I said, boy, I did it the week before that, and I got it done quick. He didn't get it done quick, because he was going in between the chairs. He was going around in here, and uh, as we were leaving, uh, you know, he was uh, probably finishing up. That's serving. It's going low. It's saying, I'll do what needs to happen. And that's what God sent Jesus. He came not to be served, but to serve. And then he washed their feet, which made Peter really uncomfortable. You're not going to wash my feet. Why not? Because he had a different picture of leadership. Leadership was being on top. And then Jesus was getting underneath, go low. If you want to be a leader, the, you'll be a better leader. The lower you go, the higher you'll get. Literally, the equation works. The lower you go, the higher you get. So I am blessed to be in an atmosphere of people who give and serve, and uh, God honors that. Any other thoughts, questions? Can some of you, one of you pray? We've got somebody here who's got a bad cough, and we want to see that go. So uh, somebody pray for her. Here, Esther, I'm going to give you the mic. Keep going. Before you, we just um, want to lift up Grandma Margaret right now that um, she has a really bad cough. Father, just I pray that you heal her so that her voice will be protected. She can continue to worship you day in and day out. And we thank you for Karen and Paul and their humble spirit and their ministry um, to all of us. And I just pray that at this season of time in our world and our community and society that we humble ourselves and know that you are Lord and then and know that we are able to share your love to others too as well. 
And I just lead all this in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. What does that say? The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Cool. Did you see that? <laughs> Tell them what, what it says on your arm. It's, uh, it's the last verse of Revelation. May the Lord, grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. It was my first tattoo. I got it in, in uh, Nicaragua. Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah, I was 18, so, yeah, it was a painful experience, it's not done very well, but it's a good, it's a good reminder, you know, and it's kind of a small thing of, like, a little bit of pain for the gospel, right, which... Does anyone else do what I did to you now, as others? Ask, oh yeah. Maybe ask? It was a super good opportunity. Wow, wow, how cool is that? Wonderful. So, humble people... I'm going to tell you six, six things that they are not. Humble people are not controlling. Humble people don't, don't look for ways to control others. Do you know who is the least controlling in the universe? God is the least controlling. When Jesus had disciples who left... He turned to his disciples, and what did he say? You want to leave too? Yeah. Are you going to leave? He didn't have anything to hold him back except his love, his example. He didn't try to, oh, please stay. Please stay. He didn't say that. He said, you're going to leave. God could use his power, his voice, his influence to control us, but he loves us. And he invites us to come and to be on his team, to be his co-workers, co-workers with God. Whoa. He's not embarrassed at that. Some humility there. So humble people are not controlling people. Uh, yeah, I don't need that one. Humble people are not argumentative. We don't need to win, so we don't need to win the argument to prove anything, so it's okay. We lose the argument, that's okay. Humble people are not timid. You know, you think of somebody who's humble, well, they might be safe of facing and they might be timid, but it's not true that the more humble you become, the more confident you become because it's not about you. It wasn't about John, so he could tell those guys, What did he say? He said, um, the axe is laid at the root. And you guys are in for trouble if you don't change your ways. I mean, he, he really gave it to them. And why could he do that? Because he was humble. Because he was secure. Humble people are not insecure. They are not independent. They're not doing their own thing all the time. They're getting low and they're serving. They find ways to serve, to get things done. Because it's not about them, so they don't have a reputation to keep. So if, the, if somebody needs a vacuum, sure. Somebody needs to clean the kitchen. And I see that happening around here. I love the way people, oh, finally, humble people are not self-absorbed. They're not, they're not just thinking about themselves all the time. Because they've got to get things done, and they've got to help people. And they, they're, they're people-oriented, they're God-oriented. So they look for things out here, and they're not just concerned about their own needs. So humility is a wonderful thing, right? Do you know any humble people? Is he humble? He works on it. He works on it? Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, Father, we want to go lower. We want to get better at humility. And we don't want to brag now about our humility because that would prove that we didn't have it. But we want to thank you that it's being modeled for us by John. It's modeled for us by Jesus. And we can learn how to walk in humility. And I pray in the days ahead, the weeks ahead, that we will see opportunities to go low. We will see opportunities to serve. And we will do it without any sense of complaining wishing somebody else would have done it. We can do it with joy in our hearts, with, 
with uh, thanksgiving. We want to do it because that's what you call us to. That's what Jesus did. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. So we want to do the same thing. Amen. Okay, I got this true-false test. I was going to put it up. CJ, is that available? To, so uh, I told you not to throw it up on the screen, but then they could just uh, they could see it. Is that possible to throw it up on the screen? The two false test. I got you. I I told him not to. So <laughs> this, he, he, let me just read you a few of them. I serve people by using my gifts to help them. I like serving. If that's true, hey, you win. I'm willing to accept blame when I have compromised an assigned task because of fear. That shows humility. I usually accept God's testing and discipline without grumbling. <laughs> you, I put usually because none of us are perfect in that, that one. Praising others seems to come natural for me. If you are good at praising other people, that's a sign of humility because your focus is outward. People in my church might call me courageous or caring. Yeah. So if you want to take that test, and you don't have to report your score. <laughs> okay. So, Nate, we, I finished my part. Shall I give the benediction, and then we'll just have time of fellowship? And at, you said that you were going to ask for uh, any, anybody who wanted to ask questions. Or yeah. I didn't get any more. I'm, I'm open if anybody else has. I meant after. I'll bring a song or something. Love. Want me to sing a song? Oh, nuts. I wanted to sing. Okay. Catch it. Here it comes. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.